gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to My Two Cents Podcast. This is episode 109, which is entitled, It's All the Same. I'm your host, G2, and today I have a list of topics I really do want to talk about. Before I get into that, I want to read out the National Food Days of the week. Today being January the 15th, it is Strawberry Ice Cream Day, as well as Fresh Squeezed Juice Day. Tomorrow, January 16th, it is International Hot and Spicy Food Day, as well as Fig Newton Day, also Martin Luther King Day, as well. January the 17th, it is Hot Buttered Rum Day. January 18th, it is Gourmet Coffee Day and Peking Duck Day. January 19th, Popcorn Day. January 20th, Butter Crunch Day, as well as Cheese Lovers Day. And to finish the week off, January the 21st, New England Clam Chowder Day, as well as Granola Bar Day. Now, before I get into today's topics, I have to read off a list of people that we lost this week. To start it off, I want to wish condolences to the family of Constantine II or better known as Constantine, the last king of Greece. He died at the age of 82. I also want to wish condolences to the Evil Knievel family. Um, Evil Knievel's son, Robbie Knievel, he died at the age of 60. I also want to give some condolences off to the Presley family, Lisa Marie Presley, the only daughter of Elvis Presley. Matter of fact, scratch that, the only child of Elvis Presley. She died um, this week. Um... And also, it was announced this week, but she passed on December 26th of 2022. Uh, Mixed martial arts, her nickname was the Prodigy. Victoria Lee, who died at the age of 18. Everybody that I've listed off and that I've said their names, I want to wish condolences to your families, your friends, your loved ones. Um, And I want people to understand that life is not always granted. Life is not always promised to you. Life is not uh, certain. For a lot of individuals, matter of fact, it's not certain for all of us. So if you can, please squash any beef that you have with anybody that you have it with. If it's of petty business, if it's going to be one of those beefs that you rather just never deal with somebody, I can understand that. But if it's a petty beef, squash it and just talk to that person. Um, But please spend time with the people that you do care about. Spend time with people that you do love and do things on this planet that you do actually want to do and actually can afford to do. Don't go and run up a high bill. I'm not saying for you to do that, but do things that are worthwhile to you because you have no idea when your time is going to be called and when you're going to go off of this planet. So I just want people to understand that because I always come back on this Sunday episode reading a group of people that we have lost constantly as each week goes by and the list constantly goes and goes. So death is an ever-going business. I want everyone to understand that and I want people to just get a grip on things and know that, hey, listen, it's going to happen to all of us. We don't know when our time and our we don't know when our uh, numbers are going to be called. So if you are not enjoying your life, do something about it. Do something that is going to make yourself happy. Don't be miserable. We only get one time on this planet. At least that's what they say. But if that's the case, do things that's going to make you happy. Don't waste time on crap. Just do what you can do for yourself. And uh, I guarantee you 
by the end of it all, you'll at least be happy that you got to do what you wanted to do and spend it with the people that you wanted to spend it with. So I'm sorry for rambling off on that, but I just always have to think about that every time I always read off a list of people that passed this week because I'm just thankful to be alive that my name wasn't one of them, but I do feel some sadness for the people that are no longer here and that their families are left with this hole that has to be filled. So again, my prayers are to the families of the loved ones that they've lost this week. Now, I just want to give a quick update on two NFL players that I talked about last week. I just want to give two quick updates before I get into the topics. The first one, I want to talk about DeMar Hamlin. He has been fully uh, discharged from the hospital. He's back at his home. He did go to the Buffalo Bills uh, training facility this week. And also, he will be paid his full salary uh, despite landing on the injured reserve. As I did look at a Fox News article, they did report it. And former NFL running back Peyton Hillis, who was the guy who saved his kids from the ocean, who ended up in the ICU, his girlfriend did provide an update. She did say that he is off the ventilator and he has a way to recovery. She wants people to still pray for him because he still has a way to go. But I am glad to hear that he is off the ventilator. So I believe that he can now breathe on his own without a machine like pumping oxygen into him. So that seems like it's the right step forward. So again, I just want to give those quick two updates on Peyton Hillis and DeMar Hamlin. Now off to the first topic. The first topic I want to talk to you about is coming from the USA Today. The title reads, you think you've seen it all. 18 girls charged with murder and man stabbing death in Canada. Eight teenage girls are facing murder charges in connection to the stabbing death of a 59-year-old Toronto man and what police are calling a swarming attack. Toronto Police Service officials charged the teens on Tuesday following the weekend slaying the department reported. Officers responded just after 12.15 a.m. Sunday to a report of an assault in downtown Toronto and found a man suffering from stab wounds, Police Sergeant Terry Brown said paramedics then took the man to a hospital where he died. The police would identify the man as 59-year-old Ken Lee and released a few other details. Police previously said the man had moved into the city's shelter system in recent months. Police have said they believe the teens congregated after meeting on social media and are from homes across the greater Toronto area. They said three had previous interactions with police, while five others did not. Canadian authorities cannot identify them because they are minors. One was granted bail last month, while the rest await hearings. Investigators have said they think the girls were trying to take a bottle of alcohol from the man. They also said the same girls got into an altercation earlier that night, taking part in a swarming, which is unheard of among girls, Toronto Police Sergeant Terry Brown said last month. For a time, decades ago in Toronto, young teen boys would swarm people as they tried to steal Doc Martin boots or Air Jordan shoes, but the crimes faded away, he said. Has this happened recently that we are not aware of? Have people been posting this stuff online that we weren't aware of? Brown said it's something that we are going to try to find out. Brown said last month that police spoke to the parents of the teens. I can tell you it was a shock to find out that their children were involved in an event like this, he said. Canadian authorities cannot release the girls' names by law because they're underage. Okay, cool. So the teen girls, they attacked a man and basically killed him. They think it's because of alcohol. I have no idea. First and foremost, I know crime is around everywhere, and I know that it shouldn't come to a shock to, to me that it's from Canada that things like this happen. But again, I don't really hear much about Canada, like news coming out of there. You don't hear much. 
Canada relatively stays quiet. So whenever this thing popped onto my alert, I was kind of shocked. And when I looked into it more, I was more shocked that it was eight teenage girls attacking just a man on the streets. I thought, okay, the guy was probably creepy or something. But when you look in the article and you read into it, you realize, no, it was just the girls just doing this. Again, this is real weird. I'm going to wait until more stuff come out. And hopefully more stuff will come out about this. Um, I feel sorry for the man that ended up dying, Ken Lee. It was uh, tragic that this man had to die because of girls just probably wanted alcohol from him. And again, I hope that the parents are going to, well, not there's nothing that the parents can do right now because their <laughs> girls are kind of locked up in prison. But um, it's just something I want people to look into and look at. If your kids are out right now, um, you probably want to see what they're doing. You probably want to see who they're hanging around with. And I know that's a bad stereotype for people to have because people might say, well, if this person comes from the hood or this person comes from this background, you can't hang around them. And that's not always the case. But yeah, you probably want to look more into who your kids are talking to on social media, as well as their uh, background of which that person comes from. I know everybody's not rich. I know you can't just get like a background check on them, but people are, as time goes by, people are more and more inclined to post things on their social media page, whether it be their vacation spots, whether it be their home, whether it be what car they're driving, whether it be the events they're going to, you get what I'm getting at here. Just do a little diving in on who your kid is hanging around with on social media. Do a little diving on their social media page. Do a little diving on who they're friends with in that aspect. And then try to look at their photos. See what you can muster from that and try to piece together from that and see who they are. And yes, sure, everybody has a facade on social media. You're not going to get the whole full picture. But there is something that you could at least get from their social media page that can at least give you an inkling of who that person is. So parents, please do that to see who your kids are dealing with. And again, as more information comes out about this incident, I will be bringing it back to the podcast to talk about it because again, this is real interesting to me because Canada, I always want to go to Canada. Canada is again, a place that is relatively quiet around the world news wise. You don't hear much coming out of Canada, at least in my neck of the woods, you don't hear much about it on my news, especially, no, I can say that, ABC News don't cover much about uh, Canada, CBS, CNN, all these other news organizations, they don't cover much about Canada, so I can say that, it's just not my neck of the woods, um, sorry for the rant right there, just had a brain meltdown and brain fart, but yeah, um, Canada, relatively silent, relatively, uh, just gets a lot of cold weather, I like the cold, I know Certain people can't stand it, but I've been around the heat a lot of my life, so I'd rather just get some cold. But um, yeah, Canada is a stop that I do want to hit. So for me to look at this and read into this article, it's just weird. It uh, blows my mind, but again, I shouldn't be shocked by none of this because crime goes everywhere. But again, Canada, relatively silent. I just want to see as more information comes out from these girls, who's going to flip and turn on who first, because you know that's happening, all of them are young, somebody's going to snitch out of the group, that's going to be a nice, interesting little plot detail that comes out, but um, yeah, I'm just going to be waiting for more details to come out of this. On to the next topic, as this comes from ABC News, as the title reads, 
Black Lives Matter co-founder blames LAPD for Cousins' death. Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Collars has claimed the Los Angeles Police Department is responsible for her cousin's death during a traffic stop. Collars said on Instagram on Tuesday that her cousin Keenan Anderson was killed in Venice, a neighborhood in Los Angeles, on January the 3rd. My cousin was an educator and worked for a high school age children. He was an English teacher, Collars said. According to the LAPD, an officer was flagged for a traffic collision on Venice Boulevard on January the 3rd, where he saw Anderson running in the middle of the street and exhibiting erratic behavior. The LAPD said people in the accident told the officer that Anderson had caused the crash. The officer spoke to Anderson and requested other cops arrive at the scene to conduct a DUI investigation, the LAPD said in a press release. Anderson was cooperating with the officer, but then fled the scene by foot once other officers arrived, according to the LAPD. As officers contacted Anderson, he began to resist, resulting in a use of force. Officers struggled with Anderson for several minutes, utilizing a taser, body weight, firm grips, and joint locks to overcome his resistance. Law enforcement officials said in a press release, after Anderson was taken into custody, he was given medical attention by the Los Angeles Fire Department and was transported to the hospital where he went to cardiac arrest and died, the LAPD said. It's unclear what role the physical struggle with the officers and the use of the taser played in his unfortunate death, Los Angeles Police Chief Michael Moore said at the press conference on Wednesday. Collars did not respond to an ABC News request for comment. The LAPD did not immediately respond to ABC News request for comment. Now, let's get into it. There's a video roaming around online that you can look at it on Twitter, Instagram, even on YouTube of this incident, and it's from the police officers themselves. Now, granted, the video is edited by the police station, so they did throw out an edited version of what happened here. Um, I do want to make you aware that it is graphic. You do see the man get... Uh, put to the ground you do see him screaming out for help you do see him getting tased to the point that uh, he passes out so I do want you guys to be aware of that before you do see the video because I was aware of this video whenever somebody shared it to me and just still thinking about it after reading this it still gets me angry because if you see the video you see the man get put down to the ground you hear him talk about how they're trying to George Floyd meme, and you hear how this man is basically constantly calling out for help, help, and you hear how one of the officers say they're going to tase him. They ended up tasing him. He gets tased. He still is calling out for help. The police are saying, stop resisting. In the video, you'll see that he's not resisting after they're saying, stop resisting, after he's already on the ground, after he already gets tased. Also, one of the police has their knee on the band's back, so you got to look at that as well. The man is trying to, he's trying to get himself together. You can't get yourself together in that instance when one, people are yelling at you, two, you're getting shocked, and three, also, by the way, somebody has their pressure of their knee on your back. Come on, there's only so much this guy could do for him to cooperate with the officers but again when you guys see the video if you guys do happen to see it you guys are going to see everything what i'm talking about this thing is nasty at its finest i don't like it i don't appreciate it i agree with miss collars that her cousins shouldn't have died because of this i mean let's just go with this if he did cause the accident okay the car crash okay he runs off police grab him up he gets put to the ground hey quit moving 
Stop resisting. Okay, you tase him once. Bang. You get it done. Okay, he's quiz. He's continuing to resist. Okay, cool. Lock him into some type of submission hold. I'm not saying with a leg lock. I'm not saying with an arm around his neck to capacitate, like incapacitate him. I'm not saying none of that. I'm saying just like with some firm grasp. If you mean to tell me that police officers are too weak not to have a firm grasp on somebody that's linky like this guy that you guys can't firmly grasp him, get him in a position, and then just like handcuff him. I don't know what we're doing here. That tasering him multiple times, it wasn't necessary to the point that he basically at the end of the video, if you guys happen to see it, he constantly gets tased, tased, and then he just looks like he is completely done. He looks like he's passed out. You can see his face is red. You can see his skin tone got brighter. I mean, it was a complete unnecessary force from the LAPD, at least from my personal standpoint. But again, I know what country we live in. I know what it is. And again, I know people are going to say it's not about the race, Gerald. I get it. I hear you. But trust me, whenever you are my skin complexion or you're somebody else's skin complexion that's not of a Caucasian skin complexion in this country, it always, in at least some facets, going to be playing in the back of your mind. Was this a race-related incident, especially after so many videos, so many things that constantly pop out when you see white or Caucasian individuals having their little stare down or their little uh, face off with the police and they don't get half or at least one third of the crap that happens towards us when we do absolutely nothing wrong in the instances where the whites get everything done wrong or they're doing wrong and they don't even get hit with the punishment the way that we do. I'm just saying America, the country, yes, it has some benefits, but by God, it has some negatives towards us and it has some negatives in their history as well that people just likes to not really uh, pay attention to. So again, I don't want to try to make this a race thing, but you guys got to kind of look at it. Would they have done this to a white civilian? I don't think so. But again, more information should come out in the weeks to follow. This just starting to hit everybody's news wave. I'm pretty sure ABC, CBS, CNN, they're probably going to be talking about this this upcoming week. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen when more news comes out. Now on to the next topic, as this is an update from last week's story of the first grader uh, shooting his teacher, as it's come from the Associated Press. The school did search the first grader's backpack before teacher did get shot. Administrators at the Virginia school where a first grader shot his teacher last week learned that the child may have had a weapon in his possession before the shooting, but did not find the 9mm handgun he brought to the school despite searching his bag, the school system's superintendent said. Police said Friday they were not told about the tip before the shooting occurred. Kelly King, a spokesperson for the Newport News Police Department, told the Associated Press that sometime after the shooting, police learned through their investigation that a school employee was notified of a possible gun at Richneck Elementary School before the January 6th shooting. The Newport News Police Department was not notified of this information prior to the incident, King wrote in an email. The student's backpack was searched after school officials received the tip, but the gun wasn't found before the shooting, said Michelle Price, a spokesperson for the Newport News School District. She declined to comment on the police statement. She said that typically when school officials receive a tip about a potential weapon or other contraband in the schools, 
if the tip includes specific information about a particular student or a particular classroom, that's where the search starts. I'm not able to comment on whether other searches may have occurred, except for the fact that the superintendent has shared that the student's black backpack was searched and nothing was found at the time, Price told Associated Press. Price confirmed that Superintendent George Parker told parents during an online meeting Thursday night that at least one school administrator was notified the boy may have a weapon before the six-year-old shot the teacher. Parker's comments were first reported by WAVY-TV, which gained access to the parents-only meeting. Police Chief Steve Drew had previously said that the boy brought the gun to the school in his backpack the day of the shooting. She declined to comment when asked who reported that the boy may have a weapon and whether school officials should have taken additional steps after the weapon was not found in his backpack. Later in the week, it was announced that the district which Richneck maintains and presides in, they will install metal detectors at all the schools and they will start with Richneck. So, okay, this happens. Um, now, People are asking, is the child going to face some type of charges because of the incident of the shooting? Um, That's not going to happen. Legal experts said even though it is theoretically possible under Virginia law to criminally charge a six-year-old, there are numerous obstacles to doing so and it's highly unlikely that any prosecutor would even try. Virginia law does not allow six-year-olds to be tried as adults. In addition, a six-year-old is too young to be committed to the custody of the Department of Juvenile Justice if found guilty. In addition, a common law doctrine known as the infancy defense holds that children under seven cannot be prosecuted for a crime because they are so young that they are incapable of forming criminal intent. A judge will also have to find that the child was competent to stand trial, meaning that he could understand the legal proceedings against him and assist in his own defense. Andrew Block, a professor in the University of Virginia School of Law, who was the director of Virginia's Department of Juvenile Justice from 2014 to 2019, told the Associated Press. So the six-year-old is not going to be standing trial. That's what I get from all this. Um, I just, again, want to say, parents, put your guns away. Please put them away. Please uh, put them somewhere that's locked. Please do not show your kids or tell your kids where the guns are at. Only time you do that, even then, nope. I'm not even going to say that because you know what? Even in hunting season, you guys need to get the guns for your kids. Do not allow them to see where you guys store the guns because I believe that certain kids might think that they can just unlock the gun, get the gun whenever they want, and they just might feel that they want to hunt and shoot something. They could just do that. I'm just saying, please keep your guns away. Now, they would report that Virginia has no laws that require unattended firearms to be stored in a certain way. The state also does not require a locking device to accompany the sale of a firearm. And no state statutes require firearm owners to affirmatively lock their weapons. However, Virginia does have a misdemeanor law meant to protect children 14 and younger from access to firearms. According to Virginia Law 18.2-56.2 states that any person to recklessly leave a loaded, unsecured firearm in such a manner as to endanger the life or limb of any children under the age of 14 is guilty of a class 1 misdemeanor according to state law punishment for a class 1 misdemeanor includes up to 12 months in jail and or a fine to $2500 so i'm not certain if the boy's mother might uh get this situation she might like fall under this i mean she could but i don't know if they're going to 
slap the mom with this because the worst that she can get is 12 months in jail and a fine to $2,500. I'm not certain they're going to do that. I think they might be so they can say that they did something. But the six-year-old is not going to be facing any type of jail or some type of prison or any type of thing for that. I just want to know what do people do in that instance? Um, as of right now, the teacher is still in a stable condition. There's still no type of uh, downturn in her conditioning after being shot. So that's good news. But again, I want parents to please store your guns away. Don't let your kids get into them. And I don't want to see this type of crap happen again. A six-year-old shooting a teacher. I just want to know what was it about Did the kid just having to shoot her because of the grades or he didn't like how she talked to him to tell him to sit down or what the deal is. I don't understand. And also for the school to be notified that somebody was going to walk in with a gun or some type of weapon into that schoolhouse. And they said that they checked all the kids' book bags. How did you guys miss this? What was inside his pants? Was he wearing a jacket? What was it? They didn't really clarify and go into detail about how did they miss this. So hopefully more details come out about that. And more than likely, I see that what school system probably getting sued by the families. Because I can see how the families might say, you guys put my kid in jeopardy. You guys knew about this. And you guys didn't take all the legal, like, perimeters like really pat the kids down go into their jackets go into their pants well pants pockets like pat them down and do all that type of stuff i know people might say that sounds ridiculous for a first grader but you guys gotta take that type of threat real seriously especially after how many school shootings have happened in the past decade or so yeah you guys gotta take that extremely serious whenever you guys get the notification from that so i can see a lawsuit coming towards that uh, school from the parents of the children that were in that incident. So more details are going to come out. And again, I'll be bringing them out onto this pod whenever I find out about them. So with that, on to the next topic. As this comes from the Miami Herald, Florida man owns largest child pornography collection ever seen by deputies and faces 1,100 charges. When Florida deputies arrested Jonathan Hernandez for allegedly possessing child porn they were expecting to find more but what authorities uncovered was jaw-dropping even for them at that time we were told the investigation was just getting started and there would likely be more charges the highlands county sheriff's office posted via facebook what we should have said was there would likely be a lot more charges like more than anyone in our country ever Hernandez now faces more than 1,180 counts of child pornography and four counts of bestiality images. The 23-year-old is being held on a $2.4 million bond deputies note he has enough charges to possibly see a life sentence. The sheriff's office first started investigating Hernandez back in August when a cyber tip about internet crimes against children came in from the National Center for Missing and Exploiting Children. Through a search warrant, detectives found child porn on his Discord account, an instant messaging application. He was arrested on these findings December 29th when deputies searched his Avon Park home and discovered 15 electronic devices. At the time, he was only charged with two counts of possession of child pornography, two counts of transmitting child pornography, and one count of using a two-way communication device to felicitate a felony. While out on bond, detectives gathered enough evidence on just one of the 15 devices to charge Hernandez with an additional 
1,182 counts of child porn possessions. There is no telling how many charges he could face if detectives went through all the devices the sheriff's office said. Detectives say Hernandez's collection of child porn is the largest they have ever seen. He was arrested again on Wednesday, stemming from the latest charges. Once the other devices are searched, Hernandez's case could accumulate in one of the largest involving child porn possessions in state history. All right, this is nasty. This is disgusting. Dog, I don't ever get it why adult men and or women will be so into little children in that way. Children are not meant to be looked in that way. That's disgusting. That's nasty. I don't think that children should be looked at like that. I don't get it in any facet of life. I don't get it. I just don't get it. What makes somebody that's an adult or even a teenager look at children that way? I don't understand it. I don't. This is why certain people shouldn't have the internet. I'm just going to be blunt with you. This is why certain people shouldn't have the internet. This is why certain people, once they get popped with things like that, they should probably be like, be put in jail like Jared Fogle. Jared Fogle got put in jail because of this. And I think he was trying to meet with a girl. I'm not certain. Don't hold me to that. I'm not looking into that. And the only thing that you do know about Jared Fogle was once he was the subway guy, but now he's known as the kitty porn guy. And this is basically going to be this guy right here. He's going to be locked up and he could be facing a life sentence off of 1,180 counts of child pornography. Come on, dog. This is nasty. This is all the way disgusting. Now, I was not aware of this until, again, I had to look for news topics to talk about. Once this thing popped up, I thought I should bring this to the pod because I have parents, I have teenagers listening to this, and I think that everybody needs to know what's going on out there, especially when it comes down to children and people that look at children in that way of light. And I want you guys to be well informed about what's going on out there. I hope ABC, CBS, CNN goes deep diving into this and hopefully they get some type of person to go and talk to the sheriffs and all that to get what is on those other drives, probably more child porn and probably the ramifications of that. Because if they went through one device and they found just that much more uh, charges on them, if they go through his other devices, this guy could be clocked into, what, 16,000 cases? or charges if this happens to go more farther only time will tell but again this thing just happened and uh again not a lot of information has been brought to the forefront but i think that that is enough for everyone to know to keep guard on what your children are posting out there and uh just be aware that people that have this ilk is still out there and people like this still exist they're still nasty and just be aware of who is allowed to take photos of your kids and you don't know what they're going to be doing with your uh, kids' photos, if you will. Now on to the next topic, as this comes from Us Magazine, and it's talking about the update on TJ Holmes and A.B. Robach and their whole GMA uh, situation. As it was stayed off the air for good, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes will not return to the third hour of Good Morning America following their hiatus, multiple sources exclusively revealed to Us Weekly. Amy and TJ are out. A decision has been made. A source tells us about Robach 49 and Homes 45. The network is negotiating with them on their exit deals and an announcement. ABC has refrained from giving a public update on Robach and Homes status with the network, with another source telling us that the temporary host 
have continued to note that they are filling in for Robach and Holmes, who are still named in the opening credits for GMA3. Co-angers were originally pulled from the show one week after photos emerged of the pair getting cozy throughout the month of November 2022, despite being married to their respective partners. One month later, Holmes filed for divorce from his now estranged wife, U.S. Weekly confirmed at the time. Okay, so they would say this, Us Magazine and TMZ would have something to say about this type of situation. Uh, TMZ will report that TJ Holmes and Amy Robach have hired lawyers. Um, they have hired lawyers because sources with direct knowledge to TMZ have said that ABC has not clued in TJ or Amy as to why they were taken off the air a month ago after their romantic relationship surfaced. We're told there's confusion and frustration why the ABC News brass at first told people internally there will be no disciplinary action and then the company didn't about face. Our sources say Amy has hired Andrew Brettler, one of the best civil lawyers in Hollywood, and TJ has lawyered up with Eric George, a legal force who has handled numerous celebrity cases. We're told both lawyers want answers, which they are not getting so far. Our sources say if ABC keeps TJ and Amy off the air or fires them, the lawyers are ready to file suit, and one of the issues involves race. We're told the lawyers will pose the, this question to ABC. Has ABC ever used the moral or conduct clause to fire or discipline two consenting adults at equal levels when both were white? The sources go on to say it would be telling if this is the first time ABC invoked the moral clause under these circumstances with a black and white anchor. The sources go on to say the damages could be enormous if their reputations and careers are ruined as a result of discipline by the network. So TJ Holmes, Amy Robach have lawyered up. I respect that wholeheartedly. When the news came out about TJ Holmes and Amy Robach, the first thing that they really wanted to make certain that everybody understood was that these were two consenting adults doing this. This was not one person using power over the other, a man trying to make a woman do whatever he wanted her to do. It wasn't none of that. These were two consenting adults that just happened to, well, they wanted to be a couple. And it happened. So, with that, at first, as it was stated, ABC did nothing about the situation. They just allowed the situation to play out for at least a day or two as the rumors uh, whirled around. But then once confirmed, okay, cool, nothing until, bang, you get taken off the air. And I was shocked by this. People were shocked by this. And it still shocks me now because they were consenting adults. Again, nobody was uh, making someone do this. Nope, these are two people that just happen to like each other. So now this is almost going on two months that they've been off of television. And it's now seeming to me that they're not going to be back on ABC. Now, they could be released. They could be fired. And if they do, they're going to be facing a lawsuit. This is going to be ABC's uh, nasty lawsuit they're going to be facing. And again, ABC, they always were able to just keep their nose clean for some time because... A couple years ago, and I stated this when this first uh, news situation came out, that ABC was able to keep their news to themselves. They were able to keep their nose clean while their other colleagues in the news industry, in the news business, CNN, uh, CBS, NBC, they had some dirty issues coming out with um, 
Cuomo for the CNN trying to protect his brother. That was dirty business for CNN. You had Charlie Rose with his situation uh, for CBS. And then you had Matt Lauer in his situation for NBC. ABC was always able to keep their nose extremely clean. They were looked like the standard for how people should conduct business in the news uh, world. But now with this happening, I don't see how this is going to knock ABC. I understand how ABC feels about it because now you guys are tarnishing us being the people that you should look up to. But no, I don't I don't feel that way personally. Yes, should two people not fall in love or get with each other while they're at work? I fully support that. I fully think that, yo, you should not be trying to hook up with your own uh, person at work. You don't crap where you eat. That's my whole philosophy. I understand it. But I've also said it before that, yo, what else is the person going to do? They constantly are around this person every single day. You're going to like develop feelings. It starts off at school. This is where it comes to play at. When you go to school, you're surrounded by a certain person or people every single day. You might not like the person at first, but then you constantly see that person. You start talking to somebody, you start developing feelings and emotions, and it just happens that way. So for this, I believe it was that situation. I don't, for me, I'm not going to date someone I haven't worked with. But I can't just condemn somebody for doing that because it's in our nature. It's in our very fabric of our being whenever you think about how this stuff happens to begin with. So with TJ and Amy here, it didn't tarnish ABC. Again, consenting. That's the key word here. Consenting adults. So ABC should be fine with this. But since they're not. They might be facing a lawsuit on their hands and they're going to be looked at and demonized much more worse. Well, not much worse than uh, CBS or NBC, but badder than CNN. And they're going to basically no longer have the squeaky clean reputation if this stuff happens to go into a lawsuit situation because you're going to be playing the race card into that lawsuit. And uh, I don't think ABC wants to do that, especially with Disney owning uh, ABC. I don't think they want to do that. So hopefully they're able to figure this thing out. Hopefully TJ Holm and Amy Robach happen to go back on the news front or they are able to get a nice payout and actually have their reputation and their careers still be a shining light instead of it being damaged because I believe that's the only thing that they do care about is their career and their reputation being damaged because of this situation. So hopefully as more comes out, um, it will be brought to light. This is all, again, just speculation. But TMZ, I do trust them a lot because somehow, some way, TMZ always got some type of rat or some type of source somewhere in somebody's building. And they always get the news. They always get some photos. They always get the audio first. And they're always able to post it up first before anybody else. And everybody rides the wave of TMZ. So if TMZ knows that Amy Robach and TJ Holmes are already lawyered up, best believe TJ Holmes and Amy Robach, they're lawyered up. So um, I hope ABC does the right thing. Give TJ Holmes and Amy Robach either a nice, good payout or just bring them back to work. Those are your only two options I see that ABC has here. Because if not, I can see this thing turning bad for ABC. Now on to the next topic as 
this week, earlier this week, I had to go somewhere. I read an article, and it was basically an opinion piece. It's about Nepo babies. And what's a Nepo baby? A Nepo baby is basically short-term to say a nepotism baby. It's basically someone that has been benefiting from uh, their family or their family lineage of what they have done. And this more than likely plays into the effect of Hollywood. I did not know this term until this week after I read this little opinion piece that comes from NBC News. And I thought that everybody knew that Hollywood was basically nepotism. I thought everyone knew that was a situation. I did not know this was this big talk going around about nepotism in Hollywood. I didn't know that until I read this uh, opinion piece. And I read it and I was like, how did nobody know that nepotism ran in Hollywood? You guys got to really... You guys didn't think nepotism ran in Hollywood? Hollywood is nothing but nepotism. Let's just list some of the actors that are benefited from nepotism. You got Tom Hanks, who has kids that are getting roles because their father is Tom Hanks. People might say Chet Hanks isn't getting the roles, but you got to think about it. Chet Hanks were afforded roles because he was Tom Hanks' kid. Not because of his acting, but because he was Tom Hanks' kid. Now, the other kid, I can't at this time come to his name, but he's in CBS series. Like, a lot of them from time to time whenever I see him. And he's, again, Tom Hanks' kid. Uh, You got Ice Cube's kid. But Ice Cube's kid, O'Shea uh, Jackson Jr., he's actually done auditions. As a matter of fact, he even had to audition for his own father's role in... Uh, straight out of Compton, the movie. He had to audition for that because Ice Cube was not going to have his son play him and just do a half butt job. He was actually going to make his kid be dedicated to the craft and actually do his like due diligence as an actor. If he wants to do this, you're going to have to do your work. So I applaud O'Shea Jackson for doing the work and doing this. And O'Shea has been doing acting ever since after that. You then got John David Washington, who is the son of Denzel Washington. And John David, he said that he didn't want to use the name Washington because he didn't want to get the favoritism because he knew what would come of it because everybody would say, okay, you're Denzel's kid. And he tried to just go on auditions as John David, but people ultimately knew that he was Denzel Washington's kid. So people might say he got nepotism because of that. I mean, nepotism runs in Hollywood into the point that... um. Allison Williams, the daughter of Brian Williams, the uh, NBC News, former NBC News, and now the, I believe he's MSNBC anchor. I believe he still is now. And she is also the daughter of TV producer Jane Studdard. She did an interview with Wired at the end of December, and she acknowledged that she has a highly privileged background. She would say, there's no conversation about my career without talking about the ways in which I have been fortunate the 34-year-old Williams said, adding, if you trust your own skill, I think it becomes very simple to accomplish. She noted that early in her career, she was definitely concerned with making sure people understood I was a hard worker as if somehow that would absolve me of the privilege. When she realized that wasn't something that could be absolved, she just accepted the reality and continued proving her value outside of her last name. Then in an interview Thursday with Vulture itself, Williams followed up by stating, all that people are looking for is an acknowledgement that it's not a fair playing field. It's just unfair, period, end of story. And no one's really working that hard to make it fair, to 
not acknowledge that me getting started as an actress versus someone with zero connections isn't the same. It's ludicrous. After all, it's hard to imagine that Judd Apatow would have cast her in HBO's Girls, skyrocketing her to stardom without the help of her industry connections. And before her girls breakthrough, Williams had summer jobs as a production assistant on the set of Prairie Home Companion and as Tina Fey's assistant's assistants. It doesn't take anything away from the hard work that I've done, said the star as she was on a media run for the movie Megan. So people just want people to understand that nepotism is actually alive and it does exist in Hollywood. Now, when I try to look at everything, I thought people understood that. But again, I give people way too much credit. You would think you would know that nepotism runs in Hollywood. Come on now. You got to think there are millions of people that run to California year in, year in, in, year in. And how many of them that are normal, but, but people go to Hollywood, they fail, they crash, and then they go back home or either they fail, they crash, they stay in Hollywood, they work regular jobs, they fail, they crash, they work regular jobs until, God forbid, they self-transition, or in the rare instance, they actually do attain a little bit of success and they stay as a regular on a television show or rare, rare situation. They actually do make it. They become a big, well-known person named in Hollywood. And there you go. That's a small, 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 <laughs> small chance. I want you guys to think about this. Dwayne Johnson, okay? He has no, and I mean this, zero Hollywood background in his profession. He is a son of a wrestler, Rocky Johnson, who has wrestling in his blood. Not Rocky Johnson, The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, he decided to step away from his family profession, as in professional wrestling. He took a nosedive to go into Hollywood because people know him as The Rock. And for the first couple of years, for a long period of time, the Rock would get certain movies, he would do this and that, but other than that, he wasn't doing big budgeted, like, big movies that would be, like, highly acclaimed style movies. I'm not saying that he still do a highly acclaimed now, but when you think about the movies that he did when he left WWE, what, in 2002, and then he still continued going into Hollywood and he'll dip his foot back in WWE in 2004 and from years on after that, until he became the big, big mega star that he is now. You got to think, he wasn't making money like that. People in Hollywood only knew him as The Rock. People were trying to make him be The Rock in movies, and it just didn't work. Until he got with Vin Diesel, and he was in the Fast and Furious genre, when he was actually able to be The Rock full blaze, when you look at the Fast and Furious movie, he was The Rock, and it actually made sense for that character to be in that film, and guess what? He, that started to catapult The Rock in other movies. Then he started doing other movies with Kevin Hart, and people got to see The Rock be funny with Kevin Hart. Those two were actually able to be buddies and actually work off their buddy chemistry on Mad Movies, and that's what happened there. And then you start seeing him doing other spinoffs of Fast and Furious, and then you start seeing him do other comedy action movies, and that's basically what The Rock is. Rock is an action comedy 
style guy. That's what The Rock is. But again, he had zero Hollywood profession in his background, but the only thing that people knew him for was being The Rock, and that comes from him being in WWE, which stems from his family having a background. Now, take for instance, Dave Batista. Dave Batista, who has zero Hollywood background, and he has zero background in WWE, as in blood lineage, he came in doing WWE in his late 30s, he becomes a big megastar in WWE, he leaves WWE, he goes over to Hollywood again, just like The Rock, not getting many roles or anything like that, until he gets upon Guardians of the Galaxy as Drax. And then once that happens, he goes into other movies. He starts going into dramatic movies. He becomes one of the villains for one of the James Bond uh, movies. And then he starts doing other things. And then he starts making his name out there. And now he's one of the guys that somehow people are gravitating to in Hollywood for him to be in movies. As a matter of fact, he was just in the Glass Onion movie, even though, spoiler alert, he dies early in the movie. But they still get like flashbacks of him being in the movie constantly, so technically he's still in the movie, but he's has now become one of the guys that people actually do want to see in the movies. He has a movie coming out with M. Light Shyamalan, and he that movie seems like it's going to be one of them crazy movies that I think that people are going to see because of the um, idea of what the movie is. Right now, the movie's escaping me, but you get my point. Nepotism in Hollywood is a thing. Dave Bautista, The Rock, zero background in Hollywood. The Rock has background in wrestling. Dave Bautista, zero background. And they both still go to Hollywood first couple years, squat, and then later they become movie stars. And there you go. While on the other end of the spectrum, you got to look at a Robert Downey Jr. His father was a film star. Robert Downey Jr., he does this. He gets into trouble in his earlier years, and then he becomes a liability to the point that even Marvel doesn't want him to be Iron Man, and then he ends up becoming Iron Man. The film uh, crew takes a risk on him. He ends up making it big as Iron Man. He helps launch the whole MCU franchise. He ends up becoming the face because he's Iron Man, and everybody loves him as Iron Man. He ends up doing other movies, and he ends up becoming just a big-time name in Hollywood after his fall from grace mad years ago. So he was actually afforded that second chance because, in my personal opinion, and again, this isn't facts, this is just my opinion, because of who he was and who his father was. And again, do you think a regular average person in Hollywood, if they were given that exact same chance, just like Robert Downey Jr., they would have got that they would have gotten to the point that Robert Downey Jr. was. I don't think so. For the way that people talk about Robert Downey Jr. and the way to how he really hit some personal obstacles in his life, I don't see how people, if they weren't from that nepotism like cloth, would have made it back from that. This think about it. Robert Downey Jr., he has dealt with multiple arrests from drugs that included cocaine, heroin, marijuana. He went through uh, drug treatment programs. He had certain situations where, you know, he just wasn't feeling himself. He was, again, arrested with mad multiple things on him again. And then he had a weapon on him 
I mean, you can look up Robert Downey Jr.'s whole arrest history and the setbacks that he's dealt with, but I'm not saying Robert Downey Jr. didn't put in the hard work, but you got to understand that nepotism plays a part into it. Hollywood is nothing but nepotism, ladies and gentlemen. As a matter of fact, businesses is nothing but nepotism because you could say nepotism comes from a family lineage and a family tree, and that's what people like to say what nepotism is. I think nepotism is just another form of favoritism. It is, because when you think about it, nepotism is all about your connections, your family connected to this person and that person. And then with that, guess what? A position is open for a friend's uh, company. Guess what? Hey, get my kid in there. You can get your kid in there because of the connections that your family made with that person. So again, to me, nepotism is just another word for favoritism. It is what it is. And in this life, a lot of things are not going to be... Uh, Handed out. A lot of things are not going to be given to someone that has the most skills. As a matter of fact, people that are working right now can attest to this. Some of you right now are working a job and you have someone that is above you and you are going to question and you have questioned yourself, how is this person above me? And they can't even do one tenth of the job that I do. They can't even do what I do. As a matter of fact, I can do their job and my job. They, I know for a fact they can't even do their own job because they have me and they're asking me, what is this? What is that? There's some of you that are questioning, how is this person even in charge of me? Well, some of you have looked back and seen if that person is related to someone in corporate or someone uh, that's also above you. Some of you have done that. Some of you are looking at your <laughs> your ladder of success in a company and you're trying to see who is chummy with who, who is friendly with who, all this type of stuff. What type of favoritism lies in a company? You are looking at it right now. You would think whenever a promotion comes up, okay, they see me do the work. They see me do all this type of stuff. They know I'm a valuable asset. Okay, the promotion is going to be mine. And then when it's not yours and it happens to go to some dimwit, you question, how did this person get it? And then you see them so chummy with the boss on their first day at work and all this type of stuff. You start to think, okay, he has some family ties or there's some type of connection there. Again, that comes into play. Connections, connections with everything. Favoritism is just another word for nepotism. Nepotism is another word for favoritism. It's all the same thing. I want everybody to understand that. So get this through your head. Nepotism is real. Favoritism is real. There's never going to be a time when it doesn't exist. You guys need to understand that. And for the people that are benefiting from this, be like Allison Williams. Accept it and try to help people understand that this stuff is real. Don't be a denier and say, oh, nepotism doesn't exist. Favoritism doesn't exist. They're only saying this because they can't achieve what I've achieved. No, dickhead. People can achieve what you achieved if they were in your exact same position. They'll be able to achieve it. Now, if you were in their position without the family ties, without the favoritism being involved in it, I don't think you would have lasted. I don't think you would have got to the places that you're in. So, acknowledge it. Don't deny it. Just acknowledge it. That's all people ever ask for. People just want things to be acknowledged when they say it and they know that it's true and you know that it's true deep down inside. 
even though you don't want to admit it, you got to know that, hey, it exists. Don't deny it. Don't be a denier. So, again, PSA for everyone that benefits from nepotism and favoritism, if somebody calls you out on it, say, yeah, I benefited from it, and I can't do nothing about that. It is what it is. And that's all you can do. Because guess what? You shut someone up as soon as you say that. Because guess what? What else can they say? Hmm? They can say absolutely nothing else. You've acknowledged that what they have said as truth, and that's it. So I just want people to understand again, nepotism, favoritism is all the same, and it does exist. Now, on to some Twitter and Elon news before I get you guys out of here. As this comes from the New York Times, it says Twitter said to consider selling usernames to boost revenue. Twitter has considered selling usernames to generate new revenue as its owner, Elon Musk tries to resuscitate the company's business to people with knowledge of the plan said. Twitter employees have held conversations about selling some usernames for the service since at least December, the people said. Engineers have discussed running online auctions where people can bid for the usernames, which are the words, numbers, or string of characters that follow the at sign by which users are identified on the platform. Musk username, for example, is at Elon Musk. It's unclear if the project will move forward and if the plan affects all usernames or only a subset, the people said. But Musk said last month that he wanted to start eliminating inactive accounts on Twitter and free up 1.5 billion usernames. Only certain usernames, such as others of well-known people's brands and popular names, may have value. The social media company has been in turmoil since Musk bought it. For $44 billion in October, given the deal's high price tag, the billionaire is under pressure to make the purchase a success. So that's something for everyone to be cautious about. Twitter is going to be selling usernames. Now, again, what type of usernames are going to be affected by this? I don't know. He said inactive accounts. Yeah, okay. That might be one of the situations. But I also might think the man might try to come after some people with some... uh clout just so they can get their names back just think about it if he auctions off Dwayne the Rock Johnson's like username that's going to be crazy because again you're auctioning off the Rock's username or a Kim Kardashian or a Taylor Swift or Meek Mills or a however or a Champagne Poppy's freaking username Drake's I mean this whole thing is crazy what Elon Musk is doing but again he owns Twitter and when you sign up for Twitter you got to sign up for terms and conditions and do what people know what terms and conditions are whenever they click it and sign it I don't think so people just quickly just want to get onto whatever company or app or whatever they want to use so they can just get started and you start using it so it might be inside the new terms and conditions or it might be inside all the terms and conditions that it's going to be published out again i don't know but since we're on the platform on twitter i just want people to be well aware that your username might just get sold just want to keep you guys aware of that and also coming from business insider a lawyer representing hundreds of thousands laid off twitter staff has accused elon musk of trying to fleece workers over its severance pay as it will report just a week after musk took control the social media giant laid off thousands of workers on november 4th Hundreds of workers finally got their separation contracts on Saturday, but were disappointed with the one month in severance pay they were offered in exchange for agreeing not to participate in lawsuits against Twitter or speak publicly about the company. The arrival of the contracts two months after many of these employees were laid off left them with a choice. 
signed the agreement or joined the litigation against Musk. Lawyer Shannon Lazradan said on Monday that she had heard from hundreds of ex-employees who weren't happy with the severance pay on offer. Shannon says she had filed 100 more demands for arbitration on Monday morning. In total, Shannon says she has now filed around 300 demands for arbitration relating to Twitter layoffs. Now that the severance agreements have been sent to the employees, Elon Musk has proven us correct. Twitter is, in fact, trying to shortchange employees and break promises, Shannon said in a statement adding that Twitter employees have been promised much more in severance. These allegations has already been detailed in one of the four class action lawsuits Shannon filed against the company in late 2022 on behalf of former Twitter employees. The lawsuits alleged that Twitter employees were reportedly told that if they were laid off following Musk's acquisition of the company, their severance and benefits would be at least as favorable as those previously offered. Well, Elon, you got a lot on your plate, my guy. You got a lot of stuff to do. You got a lot of stuff to fix. You're trying to fix Twitter, trying to get your money back or trying to make some money off of Twitter. I commend you on that. You're trying to sell people's usernames. I don't know how that's going to uh, benefit you in the end. I don't know if that's going to work, but you're trying to do anything you can to get your $44 billion back. Okay. And also you're dealing with people suing you because, well, you couldn't get what, give them what they needed and severance pay. Now, I'm not certain what the situation is. There's lawyers with all that. Only time will tell. And I think more is going to come out when they actually, uh, stuff actually going into court with the former employees and Twitter as the business itself. But again, time will tell with that and uh, we'll just see as time goes on. Now, with that being said, it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I want to thank all the podcast sites that have me on there. Apple, Google, Amazon, Podbeam, you know the rest. Um, I want to thank you guys, the downloaders and the listeners for constantly downloading the episodes and listening to them, even though I might stumble on my words and uh, mess up here and there. But you guys still give your boy a chance. And I do appreciate that wholeheartedly every single week. Trust me, I look at the numbers and I see what's going on. And I do appreciate you guys. Um, I do want you guys to have a good Sunday. I want you guys to have a blessed week. Please do not be dicks to anybody on the roads. Please be courteous to everyone that you come in contact with. You do not want to send someone off on a bad day just because you have a bad day. Try to be someone's good day. Try to be someone's shining light when they're having a bad day. Trust me, we all need someone in those moments. So why don't you be that person in that moment? Please try that. Now, always remember. I love you. I love you. I love I truly mean that. I do love you all. I appreciate you all. And this isn't goodbye. This isn't until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. This has been my Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. Again, have a great week. Say a prayer for each other. Don't be a dick. And you'll hear from me again next Sunday and also next Saturday where I do my wrestling stuff as well. But with that, Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.